And welcome back to another episode of the Commons Finders podcast with me, your host, Con. I know you guys have been waiting for a while for a new one, but I said this on Twitter earlier. I didn't want to bring you guys like recycled content or us talking about the same thing. Or, I don't know, we just didn't want to make the content boring. We wanted to make it quite raw. So we waited until Chelsea played the first game, which they did. Chelsea beat Brighton 3-1 away yesterday in a bit of a mixed bag performance, I'd say. And, of course, today I'm joined by Dan. Dan, how are we doing? Yeah, doing well, man. Doing well. Fantastic. And we have a new guest today, somebody most of you guys won't know, but he's a really great guy. Fako, how are you doing? I'm all right, you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. And finally, the co-host of the co-host, Pius, how are you doing? <laughs> yes, let's go. I'm back again. Love to see it. Energy. So, go, Chelsea yesterday, we won 3-1 against Brighton. Three points in the bag in the first game of the season. We saw debuts from Timo Werner and Kai Havertz. So, who wants to kick this off with your just initial thoughts on the game? Uh, yeah, I'll go first. Uh, like, like you said, it was, a, it was a bit of a mixed bag. Like There were some really good moments, but there were some poor moments as well. Um, for, for the first game of the season, I would have expected a bit of a better performance, uh, especially in the first half. But, you know, three points is three points at the end of the day. And, um, yeah, overall, it's, I'm happy with the, the three points on the opening day of the season. Yeah, as uh, Dan said, it was a bit of a boring game, but you know, I feel like we just got the job done. And like last year as well, we drew to them at home. So it's like, uh, away, sorry, at, at the same place. So it's like, you know, as Lampard said last year, we would have, you know, not as, wouldn't have grinded out the win basically. So it was nice to see, you know, we could get a bit of luck as well with the Zoom, the corner and stuff. And, you know, when we're not at our best, we still need to win, you know, to close the gap. So it's not going to be every game just smashing people with our new signings. So if we can sort of start grinding out wins as well, you know, when we don't play as well, then, that's only going to add to our points tally, which is something we didn't do last year. So I'm pretty happy with it. You know, it's 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 one of those in it. You know, I didn't really like the lineup anyway. So you know, to, the fact that we won is just really good, really. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we got the result over the line, but the result doesn't tell the whole story, in my opinion. We didn't play as good as I expected, and perhaps we could have even lost that game. It could have been a whole different story if we didn't get those goals. But Results to result, so it's good for us. Yeah, I'd agree with that, mate. But I think we all had this like built up fantasy in our head that Chelsea are going to come and we're just going to steam through Brighton with like Kai Havertz, Timo Werner. Mm. But I think it's very easy to forget that it's these guys' first game. Timo Werner, I feel, had a very good game anyway. I think he's really exciting. He's going to be something big for Chelsea. And Havertz really was a lackluster game for him, considering the hype built around him. But then again, it's his first game. He's only been training for like 10 days with the squad. So I expect a much better performance as games go on. So I think it was Pice who said that you wasn't happy with the lineup. Would you care to elaborate on that? Yeah, I mean, I was happy with the defence. Uh, Bar Alonso, I really, I don't know if Aspi wasn't fit or something, but I expected him to start left back over Alonso. And, you know, I was a bit confused about that, but. Anyway, you know, the main thing was the attack. Um, Loftus-Cheek in, in central, like attacking mid as a 10 over Havertz, didn't really make sense to me. And then obviously Mount on the wing. I'm just sick of this guy playing wing. Hudson-Odoi should have started. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. But, yeah, it was just mainly the attack, to be honest. Just didn't really make sense to me. Um, I was fine in the midfield, you know, Georgina and Kante. We couldn't really play anyone else because of Kovacic suspended. So, yeah, it was mainly just sort of, you know, those two, Loftus-Cheek and Mount, sort of really killed off the attack for me, the hype around it. When I saw the lineup, I wasn't as excited, you know, so, yeah. Um, yeah, that's understandable, Pius. Dan, did you have, like, a similar sort of energy when you saw Loftus-Cheek, Mount and Kai Havertz all starting with no recognised winger? Yeah, I I was very surprised when, like, the news came out that Hudson wasn't going to start because, like, obviously we didn't have Pulisic, Williams gone, Ziyech is injured, so, like, we had no natural wingers, like, Mount, people know my thoughts on Mount, but on the wing, I think everyone can agree he's not good at all. I think Loftus-Cheek, I mean, he played that position, he's not a 10, um, but he, he clearly wasn't ready for this game. Even Kai Havertz was shifted out onto the right wing, uh, where he's clearly not his best. I mean, his average heat map was uh, like behind Kante and Jorginho for some reason. And we, we lacked uh, width, we, we lacked width uh, really bad. And Hutter Doi was on the bench there to play, he was fully fit. And I just... I just don't understand why he didn't start because it meant we had no natural wingers. It meant Kaya was out of position, Mount was out of position. And yeah, I, I really don't understand it, man. So same sort of energy as Pies there. 
So, Paco, what about your thoughts when you saw the lineup come out and you see Loftus Cheek starting, Kai Havertz, you're like, yay, and then you see Mason Mount starting, then you see Hudson Adoy on the bench. What's your thoughts? Uh, it was quite disappointing, considering, like, you think about um, Hudson Adoy, he's not going to get much game time considering the players we just brought in. And then we've got players unavailable and he's still not playing. And it just asks the question, is he even going to play at all this season? It's not, is there even any? Is there even any hope for him? I don't know. It's depressing, if I, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah, it's a uh, it's definitely worrying to see that Hudson Doyle wasn't selected yesterday, but we did see Chelsea playing a four two four, like attacking wise. So I can see why Lamps benched him for that game because he had Mount and Havertz operating as like sort of wide forwards, if that's what you'd call them. But. Mm. Let me ask you, let me start with Dan here. Why didn't Hudson-Odoi get played for one, Dan? And two, why was he brought in on, like, so low? So late, sorry. Um, I, even with, like, the formation, we, we, it was pretty much a 4 3 one So you'd expect, like, to have at least one natural winger that we had, like, fully fit. So I, I don't understand Lampard's thinking at all. And, like, if you want Kairos to get off to a good start, the best way to do it is to play him in his best position. And he was just, he was just on the right because... If you play hard to a doy, it gives you two options. It means Mount doesn't have to play on the wing. It means Kai Havertz can be shifted into the middle and we can play hard to a doy on the right and then maybe play loftus cheek on the left if he needs to do that. But we started both loftus cheek and Mount, which meant Havertz was out on the right. And it wasn't even like Havertz was playing as like an inverted right wing. He was like shifted out right to the byline on the right. So I don't know what Lampard wanted Kai Havertz really to do from that position. Um, and why he came on so late, I don't understand either. I, we, had, we had these same problems with Lampard last season about Hato Adoy. Um, and it seems it's going to be the same case this season. Like Racco said, he's going to have problems this season playing with the players that we've got. So, yeah, I, I can't get mad around it. I really can't. Nice. I know you're a massive fan of Hudson Adoy, right? When Hudson Adoy kind of made his breakthrough for Chelsea, I say kind of, um, it was under Mauricio Sarri. And obviously, we had Eden Hazard playing left wing, so Hazard is not going to get much game time there. And then last season, Pulisic kind of made that position his own. So with Pulisic out, Ciech out, there's no recognised winger to start besides Hazard Doy. And the left wing spot's open, his preferred position. Why didn't he play there yesterday? Because Lampard obviously has some underlying problem with him. And, you know, we can all guess what it could be. But I think the only thing I can think of is obviously. We all know he has an obsession with Mount, and that's because he brings energy, but he doesn't bring quality. That's that's the difference. Um, you know, if you watch the game, you can really see that. Um, you know, I don't remember a time where I saw Mount on the wing, you know, run at the defender and, and put a nice ball in. Or, you know, I, I just don't get what this guy actually does on the wing. You know, I can make a bit more of a case for him at eight, you know, because he's, he zips passes around and stuff, but he doesn't do that on the wing. He doesn't do anything on the wing. You know, he just... I don't know what Lampard's problem is with Hudson Odoi. Like, I don't know. I'm really, really worried for him this season. Like, more than last season, actually, because obviously, as you said, we've got Pulisic now, who's just taken off, and then we've got Ziyech, and it's just like, if you can't play in these sort of these sort of games where the options that are obviously starters aren't there, then what's what? Like, what is actually the point of him being at Chelsea? Because he literally isn't going to play apart from cup games, and. He's too good to be a cup game player, you know. We, it, I, I mentioned this on a on a pod before, I, th- I think, and I said basically that um, this is like Chelsea. This was one of Chelsea's big things, you know, like to get him to stay. They offered him a massive, you know, chunk of money. They like put on this project to him, and, and you know, obviously said what how he'd be part of the future, and obviously he was convinced he'd be a massive part. Otherwise, he wouldn't have signed. And he's just sort of been lied to. I think. I think he's. You know, obviously, I don't know him personally, but I can I can imagine he's pretty pissed off, you know, behind the scenes because it, it's just it just doesn't make sense. You know, if you're you got to think if you're him, you got to be asking questions in your head as well. You know, why didn't you move to Bayern and make yourself a superstar that everyone knows you could be? Because at Chelsea, you're clearly not getting what you was what you was being said to be given. You know what I mean? It's just like he's just been told lies, like. I don't know. People will say I'm being reactionary and stuff, but I'm really not. This has been going on for a while now. So, you know, I can feel negative about this situation. I can feel worried and I will be feeling those things because that is the, the facts on this situation. You can't be sort of, you can't say you're 
you know, still excited about his future for Hudson Adoy because what's there to be excited about? You're excited about the player, but you're not excited about, you know, the decisions and stuff like that because it's not. I don't see anything changing. You know what I mean? I don't see the picture of Hudson Adoy at Chelsea changing because we have just got so many good wingers, and you know, even when we don't have them, he's not playing anyway. So I don't know what to think apart from just be angry at Lampard, really, for me. Um, Pius, something you said there. You said about. This has been happening for a while. Cast your mind back to FA Cup final. And we spoke about this on this very pod, that Pedro was brought on instead of Hudson-Odoi, and Hudson-Odoi was brought on very late. Do you think Do you think Lampard rates him but don't trust him? Or do you think he just doesn't rate him? No, I think he rates him. I just think he doesn't trust him. Like you said, just... Uh, I, I don't know what it is. Obviously, there's something behind the scenes where he will, you know... Only Lampard knows why he isn't picking him. Um, you know, I don't know if it is work rate and energy, then that's just ridiculous. You know, did Hazard not get picked for not having work rate and energy? You know, it just doesn't make sense, really, does it? I'm not saying they're on the same level, but they're both wingers who take their man on and add quality to the side. So it's just, you know, for me, it's just, it's not like you've got it's different if you've got a Pulisic versus a Hudson Adoy. You know, that's a bit different. I can understand Hudson Adoy not playing as much then. Um, or a Ziyech versus a Hudson-Odoi, because Ziyech offers a different dimension. But even on the right side, Ziyech versus Hudson-Odoi, I'd still expect him to play you know, quite a fair amount of games. But come on, when you've got Mount versus Hudson-Odoi on the, on the wing, you know, like if you're going to pick one, you pick Hudson-Odoi. It's a no-brainer. It just it doesn't make sense. It's just, you know, I could easily call, say, Lampard has an agenda, but, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd get called all sorts for it. So, you know, that is what I think. I think he does have a bit of an agenda, but... You know, I'm not going to say it too loudly because it's just, you know what happens then. That's true, for sure. So, Fako, let me swing you another question. So, Chelsea won yesterday away from home. We scored three mm-hmm. goals. Do fan, fans do fans have a right to moan about Hudson-Odoi not starting if we won and we scored three goals during the game? Yeah, probably because it's just not right. Like, it seems like with Mount, you just... Lampard's just sticking him in wherever he wants just so he could fit the system. He's basing everything about around, around Mount right now, which isn't right. It, it's not right at all. Fair enough. Like, do you know what this reminds me of, lads? It reminds me of the times under Conte, like the times under Sarri, the times under Jose, where we've had, we've always had like one or two good youngsters, like whether that's un, um, Loftus-Cheek under... Jose Mourinho or Charlie Masonda under Conte, like Jeremy Boga, um, under Sarri, Hudson Adoy. And there's always been this reluctancy from these managers to play these young players, like because there's so much at stake and the pressure at Chelsea. You, you know, Chelsea we will fire managers if we don't think they're getting the job done or the ball don't see them fit to do the job anymore. So the pressure's high. And we've seen that at Chelsea where the, the youth just don't get played because the manager just simply doesn't trust them. Do you think that's a case now with Lampard? He's feeling the pressure and because he doesn't really trust Hudson Odoi 100%, but he trusts Mount because Mount's been at, like with him at Derby. He started the most games for Chelsea last season. Do you think that's the case? Can I just say, what is there not to trust? Like, I'm trying to, like, even if I'm trying to be Lampard, what do you not trust about him? Like, I just don't get it. The kid has quality. You know, there, he has got some of the best creative stats per 90 when he's played in the, in the whole league. You know, when he plays, he performs, he creates. He takes people on, you know, he links up with players. He's quick, you know, he's a great dribbler. I just, I don't get why he doesn't play. There's no, there's no logical reason. As I said, you know, I'm so confused. I'm also, I'm like, I'm almost speechless at this point. I was almost speechless when he didn't start in the cup final and he didn't come on, but I'm like even more speechless now. There's just been so many times where he's been, unfairly, you know, treated. It's just ridiculous. Ice, do you think it's a thing that Chelsea started Marcus Alonso last night? And if we played Adoy on the left in front of Alonso, that left-hand side would have been even rinsed more than it was last night because, let's face it, hudson Doy isn't known for work rate. Yeah, but, you know, I don't know. I just don't feel like he's been trusted enough to find that out. You know, we've only seen glimpses of where Hudson Adoy hasn't tracked back. We've not actually seen him for like a full 90 where he's just not tracked back once, you know. I, I don't know. I think even more now he would have 
tried even harder and tracked back last night because he knows these new wingers coming in. You know, he knows he's going to have to try extra hard. So I don't see it a case of him not tracking back last night if he did start because, as I said, the reasons the wingers have, have come in, he wants to prove his spot. You know, he wants to make sure his place is still valid. But when he's not getting that chance to prove that, that's when you have a problem. Like, it, that's why there must be something going on behind the scenes and you can deny it all you want, but it's the facts. There is something going on between them two. You know, I can't remember what game it was, but Hudson Doy came on in one game um, a few weeks ago and after full time, like Lampard put his arm around him um, and it, it just looked like Hudson Doy was really pissed off and Lampard was sort of talking to him. And I don't know, I just feel like there's something that will eventually come out maybe in a few months' time that will sort of try and maybe give an explanation for all this. And hopefully it'll be a case where Hudson Odoi is then playing, you know, at that time when we find out the situation. And then it will be sort of a case of, oh, fair enough. Like, But if it's a case where Hudson Odoi goes on loan or, or leaves the club and then you look back on it and you read the situation why he's not playing now, then it's going to be really disappointing. I don't want Hudson Odoi to be a, a what-if player, you know. It's just, I don't know, it's really annoying me, this all this situation with them. Point, Con. Um, like you said, like maybe we played Mount on the left because of Alonso, and I, I don't understand that. But then you played Kaivos on the right, and then I don't understand why you can't play Hudson Odoi, put a natural, like create that natural width on the right, and then play Kai Havertz in his natural position, and then maybe bring Lotus Cheek on later in the game. There's uh, there's no excuses for why Hudson Odoi didn't start, as, as far as I'm concerned. Like, you can. Like try and find out, like try and find reasons as to why he didn't start. But at the end of the day, I don't see a reason why. Yeah, he played Kai Havertz on the right, but we saw yesterday that his work rate is is fantastic, though. No, but I, I understand that, and Kai Havertz did very, like did really well in terms of his defensive work rate on the right. But what I'm saying is, if you want Mount playing on the left because of Alonso, why don't you play Kai Havertz in the middle and put Hazard on the right? See, that's a question. This is what's really that, confusing that, that, about the yeah, yeah. That's, that's the thing. Like, I, I can't get my head around it. I really it's can't. a good point. Maybe Lotus Cheek has shown more in training than Hudson Odoi has. Maybe, but then why did it take it for Solomon Hudson Odoi to come on? Because Lotus Cheek didn't clearly didn't, clear didn't look good enough. And um, yeah, I just I don't understand it. No, we're going to talk about Lotus Cheek. We, we just are, but I'm, I'm not. Don't want to do that literally right now. But one point I will make is maybe Lamps left it as late as he did because he just wanted Loftus Cheek to just, I don't know, just find that something in him to wake up and perform like he can. Maybe mm. he was just giving him that chance. Mm. That's, that's what I feel like. But maybe. we'll get on to Loftus Cheek in a minute. Nah, so it was too much, mate. It was too much. Too long. So way too long. Let me just swing one last question to you guys. So the buying rumours have come back out. Surprise, surprise. Sky Sports, bottom tier. But let's just say Hudson Day did leave Chelsea. Regardless of how you'd feel about it, would you back Frank on that decision? Just a yes or no? Back up. No. 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 See, this is crazy, right? Um, I respect your guys' decisions, right? But shouldn't you back the manager? No. Why should I back the manager? I, I'm not, you know, I shouldn't back any manager if I don't want to. I back him on certain situations, but this whole like thing about you have to back him 24-7 is, is just absolute, it's bollocks. I don't back any manager 150,000%. I back him on what I feel is right, you know, I'm my own fan. I'm, I don't speak for you guys, I speak for myself, you know. I just, I wouldn't back him if Hudson Odoi left, you know, definitely not. He's, Lampard's part of the reason why Hudson Odoi might leave, so... You know, it's the same. Price, doesn't it concern you that Sarri didn't play Luft, um, Hudson Odoi, and he didn't play Loftus Cheek for a time? But Loftus Cheek did what Sarri wanted to do, and then he was a regular starter. Hudson Odoi didn't get that, and then under Frank, it's the same thing. Like, it's I know we can make the like the excuse our oh, Williams started under every Chelsea manager, which is a valid point too. So don't use that against me. But that's now Sarri and Frank who are not seeming to feel about Hudson Doy, how fans are. Doesn't that concern you a little bit? No, not really, because personally, when I watch him, I think he should be starting. I'm, I'm not the manager, but, you know, I think if you... <laughs> I don't know, I just... I don't see how you can't see the quality of Hudson Doy and why, like, why he doesn't start. Like, with Sari, you mentioned, is 
I was pretty much sorry out for not starting Hudson Adoy. You know, it was like one of the main things that got to me in the end. I was pretty much like, well, but back then it was a little bit different, obviously, because we was trying to get him to stay. So that's why I was so pissed off at sorry because I knew he was going to leave. And this is why I'm getting so pissed off for Lampard because this could genuinely be another De Bruyne, another Salah situation. This kid will take off at another club. I've got no doubts about it. So I don't want it to get to that point where he does leave because I know he's going to take off. He's got too much quality not to, you know, and his mentality is good. You know, I've, I've heard plenty of interviews and, and stories about him. He's, he's a good kid. Like, yes, I was annoyed at him for handing a transfer request. We all were, but when you look back at it, I was a bit harsh at him. And I, I now see all these months later why he did that because he wants game time and, you know, he wants to have his future sorted and, Unfortunately, it looks like right now he's been lied to because in the, when he signed that contract, you know, are you really going to tell me he wasn't, you know, being sold this big picture where he was going to be one of the main stars of Chelsea? Of course he was. That's why. That's why he stayed. He was guaranteed more game time, and he's not getting it in in these sort of games against like Brighton. You know, it's just it doesn't make any sense. As I said, I'm I'm almost speechless at this point. Dan, do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with my story. Like, and I, I don't, I'd be a bit more lenient towards Lampard if Hasselbo had been given a fair chance this season, but and last season as well. But he hasn't. If we're being honest, like, there's been so many times when Hudson Odoi either hasn't started when he should have, or it, it's been, it's taken so long for him to come on where he can't really make an impact in, in a little amount, min, um, a little amount of minutes that he's got. So, yeah, I just, like like I said, I just, I just don't understand it. And there, there's got to be something like that we don't know, but. Yeah, I, I just don't see it at the moment. Like, what Lampard's pulling with Hatton Adoy is, because there's clearly something there. But one thing I do want to make a point to you guys, he's still a teenager. Like, I think that's important to know. He's still young. These youth players getting chances in the Premier League, he's only been a recent thing. It's never really been like this before in the past. So do you think, I don't know, maybe fans are getting a bit too high and emotional about this, considering his age, he's still only young? Come no, because we're talking about Mount versus Hudson Odoi. Like, we're not asking Hudson Odoi to play every single game because, as you said, he's still young. You know, he's not going to play every single game. But when you've got a choice between Mount, who's not a winger, and Hudson Odoi, who is a very, very good, promising winger, and you don't pick the winger, the promising one, with more quality on the wing, then there's a problem. Like, that's what we're annoyed about. We're not annoyed about him being young and like, yes, we see that, we see that situation. We see your point about him being young, but we don't see the point about him not starting over Mason Mount on the wing. That's the point. That's what I'm annoyed about. No, I get that. I, I get that. Things, you know? no, I, I get that. Sorry, I see he's not the end product yet, but he's supposed to be starting in this game. Like everyone was expecting it. So there's no reason for him not to. So Pais, you said that he's not the full product yet, right? And one thing you said last season, which I also said, which Dan also said, is that Chelsea FC isn't a babysitting club. So if he's not the finished product yet, and we have players like Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, Christian Pulisic, Hakim Ziyech, right? How is he going to get game time if he's not the finished product? Like, we have got world, borderline world-class or world-class players in our attack now. And we can't babysit this season. Like, Frank Lampard can't afford to. For his job's sake, he can't afford to babysit anybody. And I'm sorry, if, if Hudson Odoi was really this good, Pais, I'm pretty sure Frank Lampard would have played him. He's given fair chance to every player this season, like last season. Alonso, he gave a chance. He gave a chance to Emerson. He gave a chance to Barkley. He gave a chance to Tammy. He gave a chance to Giroud. Like, he's given, even if it wasn't a fair chance at times, he has played nearly everybody in the squad. And there's only one real player who hasn't really played, and that's Hudson Odoi. So maybe, just maybe, there's something going on that we don't know. Or maybe it's nothing and all of us are just getting a bit of high and mighty and he starts against Liverpool. Do you know what I mean? Now, it's a confusing situation and it doesn't help when we have, we have no reason or idea why it's happening. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And that's the thing that I, I don't get. And it's because it, it's not even how to, it's not just how to do where Lampard's like had some like just confusing moments with a Chelsea young player. Like we've had it with Tamori as well. Like he, he played well, we had one bad game and then we never saw him in the team again. And we're seeing it with Hudson Odoi, like he's not even given that chance to start like a run of games. So 
it, it uh, I, yeah, I just thought at that point, I just no, it's, it's a very valid point because Tomori, I, you know, me guys, yeah. I think he was treated unfairly. And the thing is, I don't want to criticize Lampard too much about the Hudson Adoy thing because you just don't know what's going on behind closed doors. And I'm trying to stay positive. We won yesterday, it's a shame Hudson Adoy didn't start. I hope he starts against Liverpool if Pulisic isn't fit because we need pace in that game. There's just no word about it. we need pace because Liverpool's high line. But it's really confusing. It's really confusing because he's been back now since, what, last September, October. I know he came back early from his injury. So he's had all the time in the world to recover. We've had limited options in certain games and he just hasn't played. And if he's played, he's played like five, ten-minute cameos, which I just can't get my head around, to be honest. Yeah, like, my at the end of the day, my opinion on the way is, like, if, if Lampard doesn't trust him or doesn't think he's good enough, fair enough, but at least give him a fair chance. Like you give him to pretty much every other player in the team, and Lampard hasn't done that so far, and that's the the most annoying thing for me. Yeah, because if you think about it, fair chance he's given Gilmore a fair chance, like who's young. He's given he gave Jorginho a second chance. Remember after lockdown, he's given so many players chances. Even Willy Caballero, I know that was kind of false because Pe- like Kepa was so poor, but he had a run of games, and the only one really in the squad who's like a first or well, kind of first team player who hasn't been given that chance is Hudson Odoi. He's the, like the anom- anomaly. Is that the word? Yeah. There. Yeah. Sorry, Fako, what are you going to say? Um, I think that, like, I think I speak for most people, most Chelsea fans, and pretty much most of you here, probably all of you, when I say that Hudson Adoy, like, you, ex- there's been loads of games this season, like last season, where you thought, okay, maybe he'll get the chance in this game. Maybe he'll get the chance in that game. But it hasn't happened. And I don't, I don't know why. I wish I knew why. Because it would help everyone understand. But we don't. No, sadly, we don't. But I'm just going to bring it back to that point about the manager. I say we did let go of Hudson Adoy. I wouldn't like it, but I wouldn't abuse Lampard for it. Like, because I want to give the manager proper backing, right? Because all of us fans for the last few years have said we want a manager backed properly. So while he's here, Lampard, Whatever decision he makes, regardless of what I feel of the situation, I will try my best to back. Because full backing means full backing, right? It means full backing from the board and the fans. It works two ways. And just because we don't like something happening, it doesn't mean it's the right or wrong choice. Like Hudson Doyle could leave and become a superstar. He could leave and become like Charlie Masondo. We, we, we would never know until it actually happens. But when you guys agree, if you're going to say you're going to back the manager 100%, Regardless, it could be the worst thing for Chelsea. Like, if we sold Pulisic, let's say in January, it would never happen. But I would hate that. He's my favourite player. But if it meant backing Frank Lampard, I would grit my teeth and just see how it plays out. Because at the end of the day, if Lampard doesn't achieve what he needs to achieve here, he'll have no excuses. And we gave him the proper backing. I disagree. I, I would feel, like I said, I, I mentioned it earlier in the pod, I would feel differently in possible and be given a fair chance, but he hasn't. And until we get to that, I would not agree with any decision. So I don't know. Like, I, I want to back Lampard as much as I can, but that's something I would not back and I would heavily criticise it if it happened. No, I, I get that, Dan. And like I said, it's, it's a weird one. Like, I like Hudson Adoy. I don't rate him as much as Pius does. I think people can see that, but I do rate him. But I find it very hard if Lampard doesn't trust him. And Lampard, realistically, unless he has an awful season this season, he's got to be here for at least another year and a half. I see. So if he's not getting game time now and it's a continuing theme, I could probably see him leaving in January, to be honest. Couldn't you guys? If if he keeps up with like not playing Atondoy and only playing like five minutes here, ten minutes there, then I, I could definitely see Atondoy leaving in January. I, w- I would not be surprised if he attempts to leave the club in, Jan- in January if it, this keeps going on. Because Lampard's obviously when he's coming, he's told Atondoy like, oh yeah, you're going to be a big part of my future. But he's not shown that one bit. And... If he doesn't show it, even up to January, then I wouldn't blame Martin Adoy for wanting to leave. No, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. So let's kick off from Hudson Adoy, because we've gone into that quite detailed. And actually, I think that's a, you know, a segment that needs to be quite detailed because of what's going on. It's quite confusing. So a bit of positive vibes. Kai Havertz, Chelsea's 64 million rated, 64 million rated, 64 million pounds attacking mid, number eight, right winger, whatever you want him to be. How do you think his first game was, lads? Back, we'll start with you. Um, I think, well, 
his work rate was quite good, in my opinion. I mean, most people look at his attacking side of the game. But I remember that one point where he lost the ball towards the end of the game. He ran all the way back to the, in the, to the other side of the pitch and won the ball back. I'm going to say work rate is key for a player. I know it's not meant to be his game sometimes, but that's just how it's going to work. It may not have been the best start, but he was all over the pitch. So I guess that's the only positive I can take from it. That's fair enough, Fak. What about you, Dan? Kai Havertz's first game, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm not going to overreact, overreact too much. Like I, I did a tweet after the game yesterday, so I, I saw a lot of criticism from Havertz. I didn't, I, I didn't understand it at all because... Like, I know you did a tweet about it the other day as well. Like, Pulisic, when he first came in, was poor for the first few weeks. And I was getting a bit worried for him as well. And then, you know, he just he switched up and he got used to the team. He got used to the league. And at the end of the season, is arguably our best player. Um, and I think the same is going to happen with Kai Havertz. I think he's going to struggle for the first few weeks. But by the end of the season, I would not I would not be surprised one bit if he's, uh, like, in contention for the play of the season. Um yeah, I'm, I'm not worried at all because like, he's 21. He's, he's trained with the club for less than a week. So I don't know what people expected, to be honest. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'm not I'm not worried one bit. Yeah, fair enough. Pies, you? Yeah, you know, I'm not going to lie. It wasn't a good game from him. But, you know, I'm not going to judge him too harshly, obviously. The kid tried. But, you know, I just feel like he got a bit of a shock to, you know, the intensity of the Premier League and... You know, sort of like every time he received the ball, like straight away he got clumped, um, you know, in his ankles and from behind and lost the ball. So it was just a bit of a case of, you know, it's going to be a bit of a case of adapting to the intensity and getting used to it, you know, playing quicker passes when he's on the ball because um, you just don't get as much time on the ball. It's as simple as that in the Premier League. You know, even Havertz said it after the game. He did an interview where he said, you know, um, Premier League's much harder than Bundesliga, etc. Um, so, you know, I think that applies to Werner as well. Werner played better and he seemed to sort of adapt to it a little bit more than Havertz. But even he said as well, you know, it's harder. I didn't didn't expect to play against these huge defenders and stuff. So I think it works for the pair of them. You know, um, all our signings are going to adapt, you know, because even Ziyech, you know, yes, he'll put in good balls and stuff. But, you know, the pace is still different. So all three of them are going to have to adapt. You know, could even say for Silva, like, you know, there's going to be a lot of adaptation to, to do, but once they sort of get past that period, you know, hopefully it will only be a few weeks, then hopefully they can kick off. And, you know, one of the examples we have of that is, is Pulisic right at the start. You know, he played right wing. You know, he wasn't good at all. You know, he wasn't, you know, taking people on, beating loads of people, you know, scoring goals. But, you know, now he's taken off. You know, he's doing really well. He's, he's one of our best players, maybe our best players. So, you know, you have to give them that adaptation period and a chance. So I'm going to stick by it. You know, they're both, they're all incredible talents, you know, Havertz, Werner and Ziyech. So we'll see what happens. But I'm very positive on them because uh, clearly they do have the, the quality to be, you know, huge stars for Chelsea. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, all these players need adaptation. And... So especially Kai Havertz, he's still fairly young. I think people forget that because how good he is. He's still only 21. And these days, 21 doesn't seem that old because how many good youngsters there are, but it's still a young age. Like, I'm older than Kai Havertz. <laughs> Dan's more or less the same age as Kai Havertz. Like, it's a bit crazy thinking of it like that. So, yeah, they need that time to adapt. And can we just say, Werner is a warrior. <laughs> that guy is a warrior. Like, he's a machine. <laughs> I love his mentality. But just pushing it back to Kai, I don't think it was the worst game. Because I think we was a bit of a mess just in general in midfield. Like at points, at one point, Kante was running the box. <laughs> I was like, what's going on here then? So I think it was just a bit, I don't know. I think the team was off the pace a little bit. I mean, we still won 3 1, which is it's great to see because last season we draw that game or we lose that game. So Kai Havertz, we saw some good things as well. His runs, especially in the first half, especially. Um, I saw it on Twitter from, I think, I can't remember the account it was. So sorry if I can't remember you. But it was these patterns of playing we was doing where Werner would drop deep, draw out a centre-back and either Loftus or Kai would run in behind. And we saw, you know, when Mount attempted that pass, he hit it a bit too hard. But you saw that intention there. So it's good to see that Havertz, I don't know, off the ball looks really good. Dan, is there something you want to say? Yeah, like I was going to mention the uh, friendly game against Bayern. Like when we had Ziyech, like you, you saw how deep that um, Werner was like playing at times. And if Kai was going to eventually play in that midfield, midfield three, I can just imagine like maybe like Werner like coming deep, then passing it to Ziyech, and then Ziyech like finding Havertz like one into the box. So 
that that I can I can see that being a, a consistent plan of play that we have this season. And like that's the thing that I'm excited about this season because last season we didn't see any sort of patterns of play in the final third. And so now that we're starting to see little ones, it's it's really good. No, for sure, for sure. And Kai Havertz knows how to score a goal. So yeah, for sure. <laughs> so that's a massive positive for us. So off from Kai Havertz, on to Timo Werner. I'm going to start this one off with, I think he's a warrior, like I just said. He hurt his knee in the first half and it said it stopped him from doing stuff like he could normally do. But he still wanted to play. And then asked about, will he be fit for Liverpool? He'll be like, yeah, you're always fit for these games. Mentality right there. And I think the only thing yesterday missing from Werner's performance was a goal, which I don't think is his fault. He had opportunities where a pass could have put him in, didn't happen. And let's not forget, he won the penalty. And Jorginho took it. Like, Werner could have easily took that. He was penalty taker at Leipzig. So, I think Werner had a great debut. What do you think, Fak? I think, yeah, it wasn't um, It wasn't something that, like, it wasn't a very, very good performance. But for a debut, that was very, very impressive, in my opinion. Um, he deserved the goal. He probably should have had the goal. He would have had the goal. But, unfortunately, Loftus-Cheek couldn't play the pass. I'm not going to have a goal Loftus-Cheek for that, but. Yeah, that's it. Fair enough, mate. Pies, thoughts on one yesterday? Yeah, you know, I was actually very impressed with him. He was relentless in his running. You know, he was always trying to get him behind and he was finding space, which is something that obviously people, mainly rival fans, have been critical of that, you know, as a reason for him to flop is that he won't find the space. But intelligent players find their own space and you could clearly see with the way he was moving around, you know, dropping deep to collect the ball and going out sort of in the in sort of wide area near to Mount and then sometimes he was going out in central, sometimes he was going out near Havertz down the right. So, you know, he's he's really sort of a all in one player. You know, he, he can he can run in behind, he can play in all different areas, you know, he can finish. He's I've got I've got good positive vibes about Werner. I really have and I just love his mentality, you know, I, um yeah, I think he's gonna be a massive success for us. And I saw a quote actually a little while ago from uh, one of the reporters in Germany, I think it was like Honigstein or something or whatever his name is, he said that basically Werner is like relentless. He's got this attitude when he plays, he's relentless. He's not happy when he doesn't get a goal and he'll just, even if he misses chances, he'll just get the ball and he's got this like relentless nature where he gets angry and he just goes at players constantly. So I have no worries about like his mentality or anything. So that's another part that I've covered there. So yeah, I've got good vibes about him. I'm I'm sure as as the weeks go on, he's going to be netting a lot of goals. And I'm just so excited for when Ziyech and Pulisic come back as well. Because oh, just imagine all the chances, you know, all the little passes yeah. Pulisic is going to play to Werner and all the balls in behind Ziyech is going to do the whipped crosses and stuff like that. That even if Werner doesn't finish off, you know, maybe he hits the keeper and there's a rebound for Pulisic because Pulisic's movement is great. Or, you know, maybe it goes near the edge of the box and Havertz is there. So, I'm just so excited, man. I really am. No, same here. And when Ziyech and Pulisic both come like fit again, it's going to be amazing because Pulisic adds that dimension of someone who can run at defenders. He can draw players out. Eden Hazard vibes. And Ziyech has one of the best left foots in Europe. So them two with Kai and Werner, I think we're going to see a lot of goals this season. Dan, would you agree with me when I say the fan base has already fallen in love with Timo and he hasn't even scored yet. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I saw a lot of love for Timo um, yesterday when he when he had his uh, post-match press conference, when he had that interview and he was like, oh, you know, of course I'm going to be ready for the, for the Liverpool game. Like, you're always ready for these type of games. I was like, oh, man. I also just loads of love for Timo, like, constantly down on the TL. So, yeah, I, I think uh, he, he probably already is a fan favourite and it's no surprise, like, we we wanted like I know Tammy did well last season, but we always wanted like a world class like number nine after Costa. Um, and I don't think we've ever really had that until Timo Werner. And so now that we've got it, I think that love for him is just going to be even more. And uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's truly deserved, man. It's spot on, mate. Spot on. I t- I totally agree with that because his mentality is just top notch. It really yeah. is. And I've, he has the quality because I knew he was good, right? But I didn't know he was as good as he is. And when I mean that, I mean in terms of dropping deep on the ball. His intelligence of running the channels and stuff like that. He's he's so incredibly talented and gifted as a footballer. Like his mental side of his game is as good as anyone's I've ever seen. And yeah. like Pai said, he, he's relentless. He will not give up. And that's all about mentality. And I love that. And Chelsea have needed that for a while. 
So I'm very happy and excited about Timo Werner. So moving on, before we get to some Twitter questions, there's only one more player I really want to talk about, and that's Ruben Loftus-Cheek. So Ruben Loftus-Cheek has been, I don't know, someone who's been so unlucky at Chelsea. Like, if you try to think of a more unluckier player than Loftus-Cheek, you'll have a hard time. He was finally getting his groove and becoming a Chelsea regular after the Palace loan, the other setbacks, Mourinho just outing him in front of the press, not liking him. And then he gets injured into like an intent or whatever it was, like a friendly in America. He gets injured in that and he just hasn't looked the same since. Pius, what's your thought on Ruben Loftus-Cheek? Um, you know, it's a hard one. Um, I'm really disappointed, really. Really kind of upset for him because, yeah, as you said, he's just been so unlucky. Uh, unfortunately, I do feel like he's going to become a bit of a what-if player, if not already has become that for me, you know. I just don't see, I, I don't see him recovering from this because of all the options we have. And it's just, yeah, he's just not the same guy, unfortunately, anymore. He's not the same player. I think too many injuries for him sort of ruined his chances, really. I just, you know, I feel like he will end up leaving Chelsea soon, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I'm really sort of down about this one because he's obviously one of my favourite players. So, you know, to see him in this way is just disappointing. Even last night, I was, you know, begging that, he just did something, you know, I was hoping for something to give me some some hope and something to cling on, but it was just just nothing, nothing there at all. Just absolutely awful. Um, and that's really sad for me to say because I do love him. I love him as a player. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. He's just, thing is with Ruben, he's just got all the attributes, but obviously too many injuries are just sort of, his lack of confidence is... It's not lack of ability because it's in there somewhere. As I said, he's got loads of attributes. It's just sort of injuries and confidence. Too many stories about players like this in the past across many leagues. So, yeah, unfortunately for Ruben, I think his time's up at Chelsea. Well, bold statement at the end there. Um, Dan, lost his cheek, right? We see him on the pitch. He's 100% fit now, right? Do you think that the injuries he's had in the past play a massive part? in like his head while he's playing the game do you think he doesn't want to like overexert himself or I don't know try to be a bit more aggressive or try to be like his old self just in case he gets injured again yeah I mean it wouldn't surprise me at all like obviously it was a massive injury that he, he suffered so of course something like that's going to play in his mind a bit um, and yeah it, it's worrying but like I said I wouldn't be surprised at all if that was what I'm in his head but I think yesterday against Brian it didn't help that he played as a number 10 instead of a number 8 uh, but like Pai said, like I'm, I'm worried the Lost is going to become a bit of a what-if player, like, a bit like Jack Wilshere. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back to his, his like full self. But I was, I was reading something the other day, and it was like the injury that Lost Chicken has already suffered. Like it takes a long, long time for them to get like fully fit, and so maybe this is just the start of him like coming back to full fitness. So I'll, I'll give him a few more months to see if he can really get back to that form that he was in the in the eighteen nineteen season. But yeah, it, it is a big way for him. Um, and it, it takes like a strong mentality to, to get back to, to his former self. Fair enough, Dan. And Fako, you get the hardest question. Is this season make or break for Loftus-Cheek? Uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with everyone else here when I say it, it could possibly be over for him because I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it here. People don't understand the like, extent of like an injury if it's really, really bad, if it's a long injury, then it's going to affect the player a lot. And it's constant, constant, constant injuries after each other. And it's no way back for him now, unfortunately. I hope he proves me wrong. I'm hoping. But as much as I'd like to see it, I don't think it's going to happen. That's fair enough. Like, for me, I feel like this is kind of make or break for Loftus-Cheek. But let's say he plays a bit, he, he does all right. Nothing special, but he does all right, right? Why can't we keep him for another year? Because we've kept the likes of Alonso. We kept the likes of, I don't know, give me another, like Drinkwater is still in the books. Like, I feel like this season isn't exactly make or break for him. But I don't know. I, I would give him this season and another season just for the fact that we've kept other players who haven't got the quality of Loftus-Cheek for longer. But I don't know. It's like Chelsea are not done spending. That's being established. We're not done spending. And if Loftus-Cheek doesn't take his chance this season, I feel like he's just going to be one that's forgotten. Would you guys agree? 
Yeah, like like you said, like uh, for, for me, this season is a season where we find out whether he truly can like fulfill his potential and, and fully recover from that injury. But I wouldn't say it's the end of his Chelsea career if he doesn't, because um, like if we're going to be playing these like two attacking eights, like if Ruben goes, we're going to have only have us amount and so it, and obviously Barkley's probably going to go as well. So it doesn't make sense to sell him, and I wouldn't sell him at all. But yeah, for for me, this is a season where we where we find out like whether he can truly recover from that injury. Sure. Um, I'm wishing Loftus-Cheek the very best this season. I still believe, I feel like if he gets that one goal, doesn't matter how bad it is, if it's like the most scrappiest goal in the world, but if he has that feeling of hitting the back of the net again, just like that, the spark will reunite. Mm. So let's just hope I'm right in that one. Yeah, he needs something to motivate him. For sure. Hopefully spark a restart in this form. So we're going to move on to some Twitter questions um, before we end this off. So this is from Hajir and Hajir is asking, how is Tammy Abraham's future at Chelsea looking? Pius, we'll start with you. Not good, if I'm honest. Not good, because I don't, I don't think he's going to play a lot this season. Because personally, I think even when Werner doesn't play, I think he'll play Habert centre-forward personally, or he'll play Giroud. Um, I don't think Tammy will play a lot of games. I really don't. He probably will come off the bench quite a lot, but in terms of starts, then no, I don't think he'll play a lot. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit of a difficult one because, like you know, like other players, he's he's still really young, and you know, he did do that sort of good season in his first season. So, it's a bit of a weird one because um, you just sort of you'd think he would play a lot of games because of last season, but then again, like. Frank's been like really, like hot on the you know last season. I, I don't want to become an academy club, etc. You know he clearly wants to spend big and buy more superstars in the future. So it's kind of like it's looking a bit dodgy for some of these young players. I, I can't lie, obviously apart from Mason Mount because Mason Mount Lampard's obsessed with. So for the other young players, it's looking a bit of a dodgy one. And Rhys Jones, of course, he'd probably start quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he still has a big future at Chelsea because it, it's Lampard and obviously he still has his faith in the youth. Um, but I, I, his game time is going to be reduced a lot this season. And I think most most fans realise that. Obviously, with Timo Werner coming in, we've got Giroud as well. He was prepared to stay and fight for his place. So it, it's going to be difficult for Tammy. Um, yeah, I'm worried for him a lot. And uh, yeah, he needs to have some big performances this season if he's going to like stay in the team and like play a big part because obviously we've got Vern who's going to play as a striker a lot of the time. We've got Giroud who's obviously come out and said he's prepared to fight for his spot and he's not going to give up easily. And obviously Kai Havertz as well could play as a striker. So, yeah, I'm, I'm always for Tammy, honestly. But, um, yeah, I hope he can, he can do bits and uh, play a big part. Well, the thing is, I think Abraham knows this and he saw he saw this in uh, after the lockdown period because his game time was quite limited. But, don't take it away from him because he still has a lot of talent, in my opinion. He got 18 goals, I think it was last season. He gained us quite a lot of points. So I wouldn't put it past him if he manages to step up and provide when needed. That's fair enough, Fekka. My answer to this question is, I'm going to keep it short and sweet, is if he's good enough and his mentality is there, he'll be fine. Lamps has always given fair opportunity to people who want to work hard. Timo can't play every game. Shuru might not be fit one day or whatever. He has to compete and show that he still can be Chelsea's number nine. His mentality shouldn't be, I want to get games when Werner's not playing. His mentality needs to be, I want to be Chelsea's starting striker. And if he's got that mentality and he keeps up the good work and he's good enough, he'll be fine. So the next question I'm going to ask is from Sham. And this is a bit of a different question. And it's thoughts on international fans and also on those who think international fans aren't valid. Dan, do you want to kick this one off? Uh, yeah, I've never really like, understood like the whole, oh, like you can't support the club because you're an international fan. Um, I've, I've never really got it. I remember a certain uh, Rory Jennings put out one time and it, it's always like um, stuck a nerve for me. Like, I just say so about Rory Jennings, right? This is the biggest hypocrite. So he says, <laughs> if you don't go to games, you're not a true fan, right? But then my man gave up going to games a long time ago so he could make money off talking about Chelsea, watched by international fans. Somebody, yeah, like... please. Somebody. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think anyone's really going to understand that, but I hope most people realise in the fan base that Rory Jennings is a bit of a clown. Uh, so it's, it's not too much of a surprise, but... 
yeah going back to the international fans like I've never really understood it because like you got fans all over the world and this is an international club and people need to realise that and just because you live in a different country doesn't mean you're any less of a fan and say you're me Con, you live in London but you got you got like international fans who are getting up like three, four, five a.m. to watch to watch Chelsea, and you think they aren't a proper fan like like we are. It's 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 a, bit of a stupid stupid argument, and um, anyone who thinks international fans don't have a, as much of an opinion as anyone else is is pretty stupid in my opinion. Well said, Pies. Yeah, that's the thing. Like Dan said, you know they they do get up really late. These international fans, you know, three, four, five a.m. It's just. It's crazy, really. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just sort of no one's sort of better than each other. You know, I speak to fans from all over the world, so it's not a problem for me. You know, it's just I feel like the people who do say this sort of thing, you know, that international fans aren't valid, they seem to sort of have this feeling because they feel like they're more dedicated, you know, because they spend the money and go to games. But what they don't realise is that, you know, most of these international fans would, would save up and would go to games if they had a chance to. So, you know, these people who say say this sort of thing, you know, are very one one minded, narrow minded, sort of, you know, they don't they don't really think things through. They just think of themselves and think they're you know better than others because they they go to games. But you know, not everyone has that opportunity, so it doesn't make them less of a fan. So yes, yeah, all I really have to say about it, really. Very well said. And back. Oh, I think you brought this up uh, a few days ago or a week ago, saying um, about preseason games and how like oh we've got fans in other countries and they want to go to the games and they end up at the pre-season games in other countries so it just proves the point doesn't it we've got fans who are devoted in other countries no yeah i agree the point i made back of what you're referencing there is if chelsea didn't want international fans they wouldn't expand globally like they have they wouldn't do pre-season in america or japan they wouldn't sign as good as Pulisic is and he was signed for his quality first and foremost. They maybe would have looked somewhere else than Pulisic. Um, we've seen it with the Brazilians. We've seen it with the Italians. We've seen it with the Spanish players. Like Chelsea want to get foreign fans. Every club does nowadays because Chelsea is more of a brand now, like a brand, sorry, than a football club. And I don't like this thing where fans are arguing about who's more of a fan. Like grow up. That's all I've got to say to these people: is grow up. Like, if you think you're more of a fan of someone else, fine. Just don't say it out loud. Like, nobody cares. Like, and I get the point of, oh, I go to home and away every single week. That's fair enough. But that's a privilege. There's not, you're making it sound like it's a job. That's a privilege. Because certain people have to work, so they can't go to games. Certain people can't afford to go to games. And some people would never be able to get to a game because they live somewhere totally across the other side of the world. So I think people like that who say, oh, international fans are not real fans, I think they're being very unfair because you're very privileged to be in the position you're in. Like, yeah, you might work hard for like the money to seed these games, but no doubt you're, you're in a privileged position to get the club you love and watch them every week. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, can, can I just yeah. say, um, um, it's quite. I think it's quite disrespectful um, saying that, oh, bring it, bragging about the fact that, oh, I can go to this game and that game when some people just can't afford it. It's, it's quite disrespectful to them. Yeah, saying like, oh, you're not a real fan because like, you know, like I remember seeing some clown on Twitter and it's like, if, you, if you've never been to Stamford Bridge, like, you're not a real fan. And like, anyone can go to Stamford Bridge if you try hard, like, try hard and make enough money. Like, imagine you have, uh, there's like a 14-year-old kid out there who watched Chelsea his whole life and this guy's telling him he's not a real fan because he can't afford to go to see Chelsea. Like, it's really unfair. Like, we're one fan base, we support the one club, one love, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's the thing, like, Chelsea Football Club's an international club, and if people can't accept that, then move on as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, exactly, if you don't like international fans, why do you like international players then? You can't have it yeah. both ways. Yeah. Like, don't celebrate us getting Kai Havertz or Timo Werner if you're not going to, I don't know, accept the German fans that I might bring with them, do you know what I mean? It's part of the package, like, it's silly. I see a few um, Declan Rice questions, guys. Um, sorry to be a bummer here, but me, Pies and Dan in general have spoken about Rice a hell of a lot on this pod. And we just don't want to get into that today because for one, it's too time-consuming. Time and two, I don't think there's anything else we could cover. We've literally covered everything. So this is a good question from TW11. And it's like, future of Andreas Christensen. Should he be part of the plans for the future? Since Dan, I know this is kind of <laughs> your guy. 
why don't you start us off with this? Yeah, man. Uh, like I was watching the Den- Denmark's international games, and I think uh, I, I don't know who the other game uh, that Denmark played against, but against against England, against Harry Kane, he did fine against the top physical striker from the Premier League. was so, the one, I believe, mate. Yeah, Lukaku. So you know, two physical strikers he came up against, and he did absolutely fine. So you know, this whole physicality argument is is a bit uh, wrong, in my opinion. He got man of the match against Belgium, even though yeah. Denmark lost two 0 yeah, it it tells you everything. Um, and that's the thing. Like his physicality, like beginning of last season, first I could I could accept the argument, but ever since Lampard's called him out, I haven't seen anything wrong with his physicality. He's not he's not ever going to be the most physical player ever. I, I think most people can accept that. But as long as his physicality is, you know, good enough, you know, it shouldn't be a problem. And for me, his his problem like at the end of last season was his inconsistency. And if he's able to get that consistency in his game, he can be a, a top top defender for us. Um, is that I how I see it, Dan? Yeah, you know, you said about Christensen's physicality there. Like, yeah, he's not the most physical player in the world, like Asuma. But Asuma's not as technically gifted on the ball. He's not the most technically gifted centre-back. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, all of our centre-backs have, I don't know, they have, like, a really good quality, but they lack a little bit in other areas. So, that's a good thing, because if we need a a really strong, powerful defender great in the air, we can play Asuma. If we need a player who's great on the ball, we can play Andreas. Dare I say it, we can play in both. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, for me, as far as uh, as far as I'm concerned, his physicality is just good enough. And if if it's just good enough, then it shouldn't be a problem. And if he's able to just get that cons- consistency in his game, like I said, he'll be able to top, top defender for us. I totally agree with that. But it's just what Christensen you get. Because yeah. we've seen him play fantastic at times. And yeah. we've seen him play absolutely horrible. Like, it's not to do with him as a player. Like his qualities, he's just really inconsistent at times. Yeah, and honestly, like I, I feel like this could honestly be his break breakthrough season because he, yeah, Andreas is the type of defender where he needs like a strong physical leader next to him, and we've got that. Thiago Silva is the perfect perfect example. So, and obviously, if Lampard didn't rate him, I'm pretty sure he would have been gone this summer because obviously Zuma was probably was probably our best centre back last season. Rudiger isn't going anywhere. Tomori's maybe going out alone, maybe isn't. But if Lampard didn't think he was good enough, he would have gone. And obviously, there have been reports. I think Matt Law said a couple of weeks ago that there's a feeling within the club that he can still become like this 60, 70 million pound player. Um, and so the, the faith is obviously still there. And like I said, it, this is the season I feel like he could, he could really make that step. Yeah, and we didn't really mention this earlier, but I, I thought him and Sumo were good last night. No, yeah, they were really good. I think they were really good. Um, both of them, like Sumo was dominant in the air, great tackles. AC as well, very smart positioning, great playing out from the back. Like they. Mm-hmm really well together and if they played like that last season together maybe well minus Kepa because we conceded from a long shot that shouldn't really have gone in Mm. but minus Kepa we would have kept a clean sheet yesterday and them two would have been at the heart of it because I even though Jorginho and Kante both had fairly good games I feel in certain aspects they didn't protect them enough and when Brighton came at us them two did extremely well so I got huge praise for them after last night yeah Pius Christensen, future at Chelsea, what do you think it's going to be, mate? Yeah, I think he will, like, still, I think he'll stay, definitely. He's part of the plans. He's, you know, I'm, I'm a big Christensen and Zuma fan, really. I thought, as Dan said, they played really well last night. So, yeah, I'm positive on Christensen. I'm positive on Zuma. Um, so, yeah, long term, we might sign another centre-back, maybe, you know, if Silva doesn't stay, but. I feel like both of them are still good enough to be part of Chelsea's plans. You know, I still feel like they're at our level. So, um, just the main thing with Christensen, obviously, it's, it's clear his consistency. If he can find that, he's going to be a top player. And, you know, so he's definitely got all the quality anyway. And I'm all for it. Anything to get Rudiger out of the club, you know. So, yeah, so Christensen keeps performing. <laughs> and Faka, Christensen. Oh, I think he was a very big um, fan favourite back when. Back like a couple of years ago, and then there was that boxing game, and that's when he fell out of favour with the fans. And we haven't seen that much good stuff from him. But that boss, that um, Man City game recently, I think he was very, very good in that, and I think he was quite good today as well. I mean, yesterday. And if we, sh- if he shows that consistency, then I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be able to step up and become a key player in the team. So this question, guys, is from, I think it's Aroles FC. Sorry if I've absolutely butchered your name there. And he said, do you think Mendy is Kepa's or Willie, um, Willie's replacement? I believe that he will go for a 
goalkeeper next summer. So, Pais, since you absolutely adore Kepa, tell us your thoughts on Mendy. Well, yeah, I think Sky Sports said it brilliantly last night. You know, they, they pulled up the stats, actually, and um, it was very one-sided in Mendy's favour. Um, yeah, I think, I think long-term, you know, he will be Kepa's replacement because I've said before that I feel like we'll go for a big summer, uh, big summer a big goalkeeper next summer and then make Mendy, like, number two and then you'll have... I don't know, maybe Cabio will stay as three or maybe we'll sign another third one, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I've actually got the stats up in front of me. It's just very interesting, really. So, um, in terms of save ratio, Mendy has 76.3%, Kepa has 55 um, And, like, in terms of the XG and stuff, it's just massively in favour of Mendy. Mendy's kept out two more than he was expected to. And Kepa's letting, like, I think 12 more than he was expected to save. So, it's just ridiculous, you know. And again, last night with Kepa, he made that, that mistake where it went under his arms. So, you know, I don't know. You all know my thoughts on him. But, yeah, I think long-term, Mendy will be number two. Kepa will leave. And for now, I think when he does sign, I think Mendy will start and Kepa will be number two and Cabello will be number three. And do you agree, Pais? Yeah, I do. I think uh, Mendy's just a bit of a stopgap because we weren't able to get rid of Kepa this summer. Um, and I... I I'd be very surprised if next time we don't go for a top top goalkeeper and try and offload Kepa when the pandemic is is over and um, like the transfer market gets gets back to normal. But yeah, I'm I'm expecting a massive um, improvement in defence this season because we've got a goalkeeper that Lampard likes that checks recommended and it's not Kepa. So uh, yeah, uh, I think I think it should be a massive improvement. But I, I think for next season, it, it, Mendy will probably be the second choice goalkeeper. Fair enough, Dan. And Fako, your thoughts? Well, I'm going to be honest. I don't know much about Mendy. I'm just judging off stats. But I think at the moment, anything is better than Kepa. I'm not even trying to, like, you know, fully have a go at him. But it's not good enough anymore. It's a lack of respect, in my opinion, because he just can't. He's not bothered. He's not bothered, in my opinion. He's, he wasn't diving properly. It's, you've got to reach for that ball. And he's not doing that. He's not putting in the effort to try and save the ball. Uh, that's fair enough, Fak. Um, my feeling is yeah, probably what Pai said, to be honest. I feel Mendy will be Kepa's replacement. I think Lampard said if we if Chelsea do bring in another goalkeeper, it will be for competition. I think there he just didn't want to throw Kepa under the bus, which I respect him for. I don't, Lampard's never been one to name and shame a player. He's not Mourinho. So... I feel like he was lying through his teeth when he said that. I think Mendy is a replacement. And it makes sense as well, doesn't it? Because Mendy's tall, he's commanding, he will come out for crosses. So, yeah, he definitely fits Lampard's, I don't know, he fits Lampard's quota more than Kepa does. But one question I want to ask you guys related to this question, and this is big up to check, by the way. Should this have happened, signing a keeper like Mendy, when we the whole Courtois situation was happening? instead of trying to buy a really up-and-coming keeper like Kepa? Pais. I don't know. It's a difficult question. I mean, I think we just panicked a bit on Kepa. You know, obviously, because our main target was Alisson, but we was a bit of a mess that summer. It was, you know, we was... Yeah, it was a bit of a weird one. We was trying to get Alisson, and then we just panicked and spent loads on Kepa. So, I don't know. It's easy to say we should have, you know, not bought Kepa now. But back then, you know, even myself, I was, you know... I think we were all a bit excited at what Kepa could do, you know, because he was this young goalkeeper and he looked promising from what we've seen. So it's easy to say we should have bought a stopgap, but you know, I, I, I don't know. I was, I think everyone back then was sort of in favour of Kepa joining, you know, especially for the future. It was just like any young player signing, you know. Um, it's yeah. So I don't know. I don't know really how. I don't know whether I should answer yes or no. I just feel like that's sort of my take on it. Um, yeah, Dan Fack, I'm not going to ask your opinion on that question because I think, Pais, you answered it perfectly. I think in, if you're looking at it now, yes, they should have done that. But at the time, we thought we was getting something that we didn't. And it's really hard to predict that. Yeah, we panicked for sure. But yeah, I think your answer there was absolutely perfect. So um, I've looked through the rest of the questions, guys. And most of them, most of them are things we've already covered. So I don't ask repeating yourself. So I'm going to end it here. So I just want to thank Fako. This is your first time on. Is there anything you would like to say before you go? Um, I just want to thank you for the opportunity you've given me here because I, I think you're a great guy. 
<laughs> thank you Fak. It's, been a, it's been a huge pleasure pleasure it's been a pleasure having you on fact you know me and dan got a lot of a lot of love yeah. and a lot of time for you and yeah. of course we can't seem to get rid of him guys he's always here for some reason he's just always here pius thank you once again for coming on my friend yeah thanks a lot guys for having me on again you know so it's been a mad one been a mad mad episode a lot of uh a lot of decent takes a lot of you know sort of takes which i think people might disagree with for myself but we'll see what happens yeah Thanks for sure for having me on. no it's always a pleasure and i've said this so many times but pies will be a regular on here like it's just gonna happen especially after match with you like for match with you sorry so yeah get used to him he's here to stay and someone else who's here to stay, unfortunately <laughs> and before we end off actually i just want to tell you this little story um so I was waiting for Dan to record the podcast today, right? And he didn't message me for like about an hour. And do you know what the reason was, guys? It's because there was a daddy long legs in his room. Oh, my God. And he was scared to do anything. Listen, like, no, no, no. Okay, okay. Right. I just want to say, like, for people who are scared of spiders, you'll understand where I'm coming from. If you're not, then just take my word for it at that. They're not nice to have in your room when you're about to record a podcast and you don't know where they're going to run to so just bear with me all right <laughs> see oh. you guys could have had this podcast out a little bit earlier but dan decided to shit it <clears throat> and daddy long legs is dan's nemesis along with a spider so <laughs> but anyway dan anything you'd like to say before we end off uh yeah thanks competent that story um i'll be getting you back <laughs> one day and uh yeah thanks thanks for having me on bro like i, I really appreciate this opportunity um and yeah it, it, it was nice and i can't wait to be on again <laughs> <laughs> you're a cheeky shit dan you're a cheeky shit one last question guys before i, I end this thing off where are chelsea finishing this season dan start with you uh third third pies I think third, but I'm just going to put it out there. Um, the last two times we played on the Monday, we've won the league. And one of the times we played on the Monday, we beat Burnley 3-1. And we played on the Monday this year, on a, um, and we won 3-1 against Brighton. So, if you believe in that sort of stuff, then first. <laughs> vibes. That's vibes I can chill to. And fact? I want to be optimistic, and I don't want to be too harsh on the team. So, I'm going to go second, because I genuinely don't believe that Liverpool can keep up what they did last season and I think they're going to drop off massively <laughs> well you guys will be getting a pod after the Liverpool game so let's see if we can not do the impossible but can we upset the odds and the young new guys on our team can they do the job for us so we'll see you then thank you for listening to the pod and we hope you have a good night <laughs>